Hello and welcome to Airline Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning for Sunday morning worship. God is going to bless you today. God's going to give you peace. God's going to give you understanding. God's going to give you joy today. And we're just so thankful that you're here to worship with us and to praise his name with us. And to encourage you this morning, I want you to really pay attention to this video prepared by our children. It's going to encourage you. It's going to speak to your heart. The same God who's never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. 
the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm 
hey, y'all, you are in for a special, special treat today. You know that Jesus is still transforming and changing lives. And the first step of obedience for a new Christian is to identify with the Lord through the waters of baptism. You're blessed today. You're going to get to see Pastor Clint baptize a new believer in a local lake here in the area. Another young lady I was able to lead to Jesus just last week on the phone wants her daddy to baptize her coming up. We'll show you that in coming weeks. So check this out. And listen, if you've got questions about being baptized and you want to be baptized, we can make that happen even during this time. Just contact us here at the church. But check this out. Watch as Pastor Clint baptizes a brand new believer. Good afternoon. Uh, so thankful to be here with Jessica today. I know that uh, times are a little different. I'm Clint Fair, and, and we're thankful to be with you this morning at Airline Baptist Church. Obviously, we're not in the lake on a Sunday morning. Uh, we're pre-recording this, but did not want to miss out on the opportunity as Jessica and I, we've talked over the last several weeks about the fact that she wanted to be baptized. Her family's here. So beautiful to see all of you guys here. And, and Jessica just wanted to be obedient in baptism because she shared her testimony and she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. She's been coming to Airline. We're so thankful for that, her and her kids. So today, I have the honor of baptizing Jessica and another special guest in just a few minutes, her daughter Chloe, and we'll talk about her in just a minute. But Jessica, we're so thankful, and we love your shirt, not ashamed, and that's the shirt that you get to keep, and so excited to be able to do this. So because of your profession of faith, and you say that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you are telling me that, right? You're saying yes to that. We're so excited here in front of your family and everyone in this beautiful chilly Thursday afternoon in a lake, uh, we're gonna have baptism. So you stand right here. All right, it's a little deep. You put your, I about fell in a hole there. This is gonna be good. All right, so because of your profession of faith and your obedience in following Christ and his commandment, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Awesome, awesome. So we're so excited. Family's clapping in the background. And next, we have the honor. Chloe, you come on down here. This is Jessica's daughter. Yeah, it's okay. It's a little chilly, but it's going to be good. I got a text from Jessica, I guess about three weeks ago. It's okay. Come right here. Turn around. Stand right here. Look right up here at the phone. You see Mr. Mike there. So about three weeks ago on a Sunday morning service, after a Sunday morning service, Jessica texted me and said, I just something I got to share with you and what Chloe said. So she sent me a video and Chloe just shared the fact that she accepted Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. The family's here to celebrate that today. We're so excited. So I know you're shivering, so we're going to hurry this up. So Chloe, my sister, you say that you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and we're so excited to celebrate that with you today. So put your hand there, and because of your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It is a little chilly. That's why I took her breath away. So Mama's got her now. So I'm going to pray. Family, if you will, bow your heads and we'll pray. God, we thank you. God, so much for the beauty of, of what we've just been a part of, the fact that, that we can accept you, make you Lord of our life, and then come and have a public display where we are buried in, in the likeness and ra raised in the likeness of Christ, and we submit our life to you. We pray for Chloe. We pray for Jessica. God, we pray that you just have your hand upon them. So thankful to be able to do this, thankful to celebrate this with our airline family, God, we love you. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, family, for being here. Hey, church family, if you were listening to our Wednesday night Bible study, Pastor Andrew 
bragged on you all the ways that our church family has taken your faith and the ministry of Airline Baptist Church off this hill. Some of you are stepping out of your comfort zone. You're putting on video testimonies. One of the ways you continue to prove your faith off this hill is by continuing to be faithful with the Lord's tithes and your love gifts. You are making a difference. Did you know that every time you give, you're helping to support thousands of Southern Baptist Seminary students all across the country who are preparing for a lifetime of ministry. You are literally making eternal investments in those lives. So thank you for being so faithful to give. Some of you have given above and beyond the tithe to a, to a new special program we have to increase our video and audio capability. And hopefully in the coming weeks, you'll start to notice an improvement there. I had one of our ladies challenge us the other day. She said, hey, those who are still working and getting a paycheck, we're getting these checks from the government that we were not expecting. She said, what if 20 families in the church said, hey, I'll give a thousand of that money. I wasn't planning on it anyway to help us upgrade our audio and video equipment to take the message around the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There are three different ways you can continue to give to Airline Baptist Church. Of course, you can mail that to our physical address that you'll see there on the screen. You can text Airline Baptist with no space in the middle to 77977, or you can go to our church webpage, airlinebaptist.org slash give. So thank you for your faithfulness to give. I pray you'll make that an act of worship. When we all meet together, I like to write an old-fashioned check and put it in the plate. For me, that's just an act of worship. I'm giving back and acknowledging all the blessings that God has given me. So whether you do that online or put it in the mail, Think about what you're doing. Make that an act of sacrifice and worship to the Lord Jesus who's given us all things. God bless you and thank you for your faithfulness. You are the word at the beginning. One with God, the almost
Now, wasn't that a blessing to flash back and to see our choir from one of the Sundays we were able to meet together? It's just good to see those faces in this loft praising the Lord. You know, the last time Pastor Mike Welburn showed a clip of our choir singing, one of our little boys, little Everett Little, was watching, and he got all excited, as mom and daddy said, and started pointing to his teachers that were up there, Miss Aaron, one of his teachers, and all the preschool workers. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike, for letting us see our choir every now and then. Some of you may remember back in 1974, there was a 19-year-old college student who was engaged to be married. She was a student at the University of California in Berkeley. She happened to be a very wealthy heiress. Her father, or her, her father, her grandfather, had the largest newspaper and magazine business in all the world. In fact, her grandfather had also served two terms in Congress. Well, she was kidnapped on February the 4th, 1974, from her apartment. Her captors took her out. They beat her so she was unconscious. They began to torment her. They raped her. They threw her in a closet. They pull her out periodically, blindfolded, rape her, torment her, put her back in the closet, and they started to re-indoctrinate her. They started to teach her that her grandfather and her father were fascist pigs. They told her that America was a racist country. And she said that she, later on in an interview with Larry King on CNN, she said she began to anticipate what their demands were so she could prepare herself to meet those demands. And occasionally after she met their demands, they would give her a little treat like something to eat or some tea. So what a horrible existence that they were doing to her, re-indoctrinating her. What they were doing was reprogramming her through isolation and threats and abuse and occasional rewards to think like they thought and to change her way of thinking. Some of you will remember that young heiress. Her name was Patty Hearst, Patricia Hearst. She was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. And in April of 1974, they had her trained to the point that she changed her name to Tanya and they taught her to go in and to rob banks and to commit crimes. They'd so brainwashed her to accept their way of thinking that it completely changed her behavior. Much like our culture today, this thing called political correctness. If you don't think like they, the elites, tell you to think, boy, they put you down, they torment you, they call us a racist, a homophobe, and a bigot, and all these names. When you stand on biblical truth, ironically, in our culture today, sometimes we're made to be the bad guy. That serves to silence us in speaking up for biblical truth. May that never be of us at Airline Baptist Church. May we always boldly proclaim and live by the truth of God's Word, and let's trust God regardless of what the politically correct crowd says about us. So how do we know how to think? How should we think? How should we act? I'm so glad you asked that question. As we continue our study in the book of Philippians, open your Bibles, if you will, to the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number two. We've been talking about choosing joy. 
Here we are in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Many of you are out of work. Many of us are working from home. We're anxious to see our families. We're anxious to see our grown and adult children. We're anxious to go on vacations. We're stuck at home. Others of you are wondering how you're going to put food on the table because you're not getting a paycheck. That little check that the government sent for you has already run out. How should we think in the midst of a pandemic? How can we choose joy in these uncertain times? Well, I'm going to tell you Jesus is the only way to choose joy. And in this passage today in Philippians chapter 2, the first 18 verses, we're going to learn how to think and to live like Jesus. We're not going to let the politically correct crowd, we're not going to let the Symbionese Liberation Army or anybody else program the way that we think, but we're going to wash our minds through the renewing of the Word of God. Philippians chapter 2 says that we can choose choose joy in all circumstances. I, you've heard me quote Martin Luther on a number of occasions who said, I can't keep birds from flying over my head, but I can keep them from building a nest there. We got to learn to take every thought captive if we want to think and live like Jesus. So you'll remember with me by way of review, the apostle Paul was writing this book, uh, this letter to the church at Philippi in AD 61, and he was encouraging them to choose joy. The Philippian church had brought so much joy to the heart of the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to encourage them as well. Well, you will remember, dude was in jail. I uh, slipped up last week and said he was jailed. He was chained to a Russian soldier. No, it wasn't a Russian soldier. It was a Roman soldier he was likely jailed. He was chained to, but yet he's writing about joy. He's writing about choosing joy. This is a dude who had been shipwrecked. He'd been persecuted. He'd been snake bitten. He'd been arrested, and he's still writing about choosing joy. So if Paul could choose joy in those circumstances, Circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I can choose joy in the midst of this worldwide pandemic. Look at Philippians chapter number 2 and verse 1. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Paul says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Then he challenges them in verse 3, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves. If you were with us for week one, we said joy, that acronym, if you want to have real joy, put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. He's saying that there in verse 3. Verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Pray with me. Father, I thank you that your word that was penned 2,000 years ago is still absolutely applicable to our lives in 2020. God, thank you that you chose to use this man who once hated Christians and persecuted Christians. Now he's in prison for being a proclaimer of the gospel. Lord, remind us this morning, if he can choose joy, we can choose joy. God, guard us from stinking thinking and the bad thoughts that come into our mind. Lord, guard our hearts from being discouraged and use your word and your Holy Spirit to encourage us that we will overflow with your joy and other people will see you in us and want to have a relationship with with you like we do. You honor the preaching of your word today, God. I pray that somebody might be saved. I pray that Christians would be encouraged and lives will be transformed for your glory. That's why we do what we do, Lord Jesus. It's for your glory, we pray. Amen and amen. 
Well, I mentioned in my prayer stinking thinking. A good friend of mine used to be a co-worker with me at Second Baptist Warner Robins, Pastor Mike Slade from Hawkinsville, Georgia, always talked to us about stinking thinking. If we're not careful, we'll have stinking thinking permeate our mind. I think I mentioned to you last Sunday, I've just had to unplug largely from the news if you listen to all of that stuff. And who knows what to believe? One study says the pandemic's overrated. Another study says it's very serious. We don't know what to believe. So when I don't know what to believe, I go back to what I do know to believe, and that is the Word of God. Write this down if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes. If you write it down, you're more likely to remember it. Number one, God wants us to live like we belong to Him. God wants us to live like we belong to Him. We talked a little bit last week about this very concept. Look again at chapter 2 and verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? If you're a Christian, you belong to Christ. Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? I mean, think about this. Holy God, the creator of the universe who had need of nothing, choose to reach down his nail-scarred hand and rescue and save a nobody like me. Let that sink into your mind. When we realize what he saved us from, it will motivate us to want to think and live like him. He says, is there any comfort from his love? You ever get the mully grubs? It's like, well, nobody loves me. Nobody cares anything about me. Think about that little song we learned as children. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I remember when my children were um, in grade school and we lived in Warner Robins, Georgia. I drove them about 20 to 25 minutes, depending on traffic, to school in Macon, Georgia, and tried to get them awake and interact with them and do little devotions in the car. But often I would remind them before they got out of the car, remember, you are a Dura. You wear our name. But most of all, we wear the name of Jesus as Christians, and we want to represent him well. We want to represent our family well. Number two, write this down. God wants us to be tenderhearted. God wants us to be tenderhearted. Look again at verse 1. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Listen, when we look at the suffering all over the world, you know, when several, a couple of ladies that I know personally just this week have been diagnosed with COVID-19, I can't go visit them. I can't hug them. I can't even go visit their family. But boy, it just tenderizes my heart to think about a husband whose wife is in the hospital and he can't even go visit her. He cannot even talk to her. We ought to have tender hearts to pray for one another. At least we can call, we can text, we can encourage each other. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32 says, be kind to each other tender-hearted, not hard-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When I think about all the junk I've done in my life, all the times I've messed up that the Lord Jesus still loved me, he still forgave me, he says that's the way I'm to treat those who sin against me, those who treat us like garbage, those who gossip about us behind our backs, those who lie and persecute us, we're to be tender-hearted, willing to forgive them. When I remember who I am, when I remember where he brought me from and what he's forgiven me from, how can I not be tenderhearted and be willing to forgive those who sin against me? Number three, write this down. God wants us to be united. God wants us to be united. Paul says to the church at Philippi there in verse 2, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Back to our acronym of J-O-Y. Jesus, then others, yourself last. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. 
That is the strength of Airline Baptist Church. We have such unity in the church family here, such love. And listen, I know that's not the case everywhere. We don't take that lightly or for granted. It's one reason our church is struggling so much now. We're used to being in this building, hugging necks and encouraging each other and going to the hospital and praying with one another because of the unity that we have in Christ. Does it mean we agree on everything? Absolutely not. I don't even agree with myself sometimes, okay? But we're not going to agree on everything, but we're united behind the purpose of honoring the Lord above all things. Because check this out, we're family. We're family. If God is our Father and we're children of the Most High God, we got the same Father, so that makes us family. Personal preferences, whiny opinions, selfish Christians have ruined largely the testimony of the church in America today. We've become used to having our own needs met. Churches catering to our whims and needs. Some of you are old enough to remember back in some of the older churches, they had something called a mourner's bench where people could come down and they would mourn and they would weep and they'd repent of their sins at the mourner's bench. Seems like in a lot of churches today, we need to replace the mourner's bench with the whiner's bench. If somebody gets more preference over somebody else if you sing the music that you like and he likes better than what i like i just need to come to the whiner's bench and i just need to whine no i don't i need to let god correct my stinking thinking you'll remember perhaps some of you from the news a church in dallas texas had a split that never honors the lord for a church to split and people complain and gripe and fight and when they trace if you went to a lawsuit when they traced it back it came to a deacon by the way the word deacon literally means a servant one who's called to serve the needs of the church not a puffed up prideful leader this deacon at a church dinner noticed that a child sitting beside him was served a larger piece of ham than him i'm not making this up stuff like this happens all the time and we wonder why people aren't open to the gospel we wonder why people don't want to come to our churches and we have so many empty pews what kind of testimony is that to a lost world paul says we should be united in purpose is there anybody in the family of god you don't get along with is there anybody in the family of god that you couldn't pray for if we're physically able to meet in this building and i said hey we're going to divide everybody up in groups of three to pray together is there anybody you'd say well i ain't praying with her i ain't praying with him that's a heart problem right there, ladies and gentlemen. When we realize what God has saved us from, we're going to be tenderhearted and forgive one another, and we're going to be united in purpose and in spirit. Because we got to realize something. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all be hell-bound. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd either be in hell now or certainly on my way there. Somebody once asked an orchestra director, what's the hardest part to play in the symphony and in the orchestra? He quickly responded and said, second violin because nobody wants to play second fiddle. Everybody wants the top part. But here's the reality. Without second fiddle, there's no harmony in the beautiful music there. We all have different roles to play, but we are united in purpose. Only when we live lives united in purpose behind the gospel can we truly have the joy of the Lord in our heart. Number four, write this down. God wants us to live in light of his sacrifice and his lordship. God wants us to live in light of his sacrifice and his lordship. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Well, what was Jesus' attitude? I'm so glad you asked. Look at verse 6. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
We've got to remember what Jesus did for us. Letter A, write this down. Remember his incarnation. Well, there's a big old church word for you. What does that mean? Remember his incarnation, that he was God. He was divine in heaven. He chose to come to this earth and put on human flesh, born as a human being, the scripture said. In John's gospel, chapter 1, and verse number 14, says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When we think about how he came, no crowds, no throngs, no big parade, there was no fanfare in a lowly manger, the sovereign God of the universe gave that up to leave and come to this world to suffer and bleed and die for us. When I think about his incarnation, what he did for me, it ought to bring me great joy. Letter B, write this down. we got to remember his crucifixion also. We just celebrated that recently on Good Friday. Letter B, remember his crucifixion. Look at verse 7. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. A criminal's death on a cross. The cross crucifixion was reserved for the vilest of criminals, the worst of offenders. But Jesus, God's personal expression of himself, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Remember his crucifixion. That'll make me thankful and bring joy to my heart that the, the God of the universe loves and nobody like me that he was willing to do that. And let her see, write this down. We've got to anticipate his coming judgment. There's coming a day when time is coming to an end. I've said before, I believe we could be living in the fourth quarter and God's given us the two-minute warning. Perhaps this worldwide plague right now we're living under, that's part of God's two-minute warning. So we better get our act together. We better turn to Jesus. We better surrender ourselves to him and experience revival because he's coming again in judgment. Look at verse 9. Therefore, God elevated him. Remember, he left heaven. He descended to come to earth, but now God has elevated him to the place of highest honor and given him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ really is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As Gloria Gaither wrote so many years ago, there really is something about the name of Jesus. There's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. And here's the deal. We have the opportunity, as long as there's breath in our body and brain waves going on in our head, we can choose to accept that free offer of salvation. We can choose to bow our knee and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Or we can continue to stiff-arm God and say, no, no, I'm not interested. I'll do that later. And one day when our heart takes this final beat, it's going to be too late. Or if the Lord comes back and raptures his church and those who are left behind to experience that seven years of judgment on the earth, I'm telling you, everybody's going to bow your knee and declare Jesus is Lord. The question is, are you going to do that now while you can make that choice? Or will we do that when we're standing in his presence, in his holy presence? And all we can do is to bow down and say, worthy, worthy, holy, 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 you are Lord. But for those who've rejected him on this earth, it'll be everlasting too late. The last words they're going to hear from the Father is, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's why as believers in Jesus, we're to always be appealing to people. Won't you trust Jesus today? Won't you declare Jesus as Lord today? Because we don't know when time's running out. Write this down, number five. God wants us to be led by his word and by his spirit. If you want to have real joy, God wants us to be led by his word and also by his Holy Spirit. Look at chapter 2 and verse 12. 
Dear friends, Paul says, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, he's away in prison, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. We're not working to earn our salvation. We're working because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because he's worthy of whatever he asked me to do. And I'm to prove that, not earning it, but I'm proving it to a skeptical world who's watching, obeying God with deep reverence and fear of his holiness. Verse 13, for God's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's not about you. It's not about having your whims met. It's not about having your personal preferences met. It's about bringing glory to the Father. And so how do we know what to do? How do we think and live like Jesus to have that joy? Well, God's given us his word, his 66 perfect love letters divinely inspired. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, Peter says. And Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. The word of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, it'll tell you what's right, it'll tell you what's not right, and it'll tell you how to get right. If you want to think and live like Jesus, remember we read John 1, the word became flesh. He was the word of God who put on flesh. If I want to know how to please him, I've got to know his word. Read his word. You will never, ever be the believer. You'll never be the child of God that you ought to be until you have a daily diet in the word of God. So God gave us his word and God gave us his Holy Spirit together to help guide us. Now, here's the deal. The spirit of God will never lead you to do anything that is contrary to the word of God. People, when people say, God told me to do something, we well, better check that with the scriptures. If it doesn't jive with the word of God, God didn't tell you to do that. It might have been a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God never leads you to go against the word of God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16, hold firmly to the word of life. You got to read it every day to hold firmly to it. You got to read it. You got to personalize it and you got to live it. So then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. You'll never think and live like Jesus apart from his word. You'll never know real joy apart from the word of God. Number six, write this down. We're almost there. Thanks for hanging in. Number six, God wants us to shine his light in the darkness. God wants us to shine his light in the darkness. We live in a dark, dark world, cursed with sin and abortion and sexual immorality and drugs and suicide and all this negativity. Verse 15 says, so that no one can criticize you. Remember, I believe it was last week we talked about having a Teflon testimony. If somebody throws an accusation against you, we live our lives so close to the Word of God in such fellowship with the Word of God that people know our testimony and those accusations slide off of us like a Teflon pan that has no stick to it so that nobody can criticize you. Verse 15, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Living for Jesus brings maximum joy. A Teflon testimony brightens our light and our witness to Jesus. We'll never convince other people of their need for Jesus. We'll never convince other people of the need for salvation if we are not living pure and holy lives in the midst of what Paul says is a crooked and perverse generation. We live in a generation that was raised on Dr. Spock. 
They've never been spanked. You know, there's all these labels we put on people, ADD, attention deficit disorder, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I've been told I may have both of those. I don't know if I do or not. But I think the greatest problem we got in America today is ABS. They ain't been spanked. That's bad grammar, but I'm telling you it's good theology because the Scripture teaches us clearly if we love our children, we discipline them with love. We don't beat them. We don't punish them. But that's one of the ways that we try to shape their will through corporal punishment. Punishment. So now we got the Dr. Spock, never been spanked generation, and they're leading many of our churches, they're leading our government, and that's why we're in some of the mess that we're in. To think and live like Jesus, God wants to shine his light in the darkness. And number seven, finally, write this down God wants us to rejoice in all circumstances. He wants us to rejoice in all circumstances. Well, I'm not sure I got a paycheck coming. Rejoice in all circumstances. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to put food on the table. Rejoice in all circumstances because you're going to get to see God come through when you honor him and put him first. Sweet former students of mine, Buck and Jesse Walker, they were in my student ministry there. They weren't married at the time in Lynchburg, Virginia. They've got, I think, seven children. Their little boy, Knox, four years ago, was diagnosed with leukemia. We kind of followed that journey online and prayed for that little boy. And he started to have headaches and throwing up and all kind of problems again this week. They took him to UVA Hospital there in Charlottesville. And little Knox says, leukemia has come back. So I ask you, pray for this little boy, this precious godly family. Buck, his father, wrote a testimony on Facebook yesterday. He said, I'm trying to have joy. I'm paraphrasing what Buck wrote. But his focus is going to be on the Lord. He said, I don't like it. I don't want to walk, walk this road again. But I want to have joy, and I want to have my faith shine for others to see. That's real faith right there, y'all, where the rubber meets the road. I will rejoice, verse 17, Paul says, even if I lose my my life. And he talked about losing his life because dude's in prison about to be executed. Pouring it, out, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. If a dude waiting to be beheaded and executed can say he had the joy of the Lord, what's my problem? Why am I whining? Why am I complaining? Verse 17, I'll rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Now listen, I'm not minimizing cancer, leukemia. I'm not minimizing COVID-19. Listen, we all have to fight those fears and those struggles. I'm not afraid of dying. I know where I'm going. But some of the fears that will grip me if I don't have my guard up is I fear my mama, who's 70-something, or my stepmother, 70, getting this and dying in a hospital all alone. Stuff, thoughts like that bother me. I fear not what will happen to me, but my wife being at home alone, if I get this, being high risk. We got to take every thought captive. We got to rejoice in the Lord. Paul said, even though I'm about to die, I want to have the joy of the Lord. So not to minimize our circumstances. So if he had that kind of attitude. How can we not have joy in a quarantine when we're just inconvenienced a little bit? To live and to think like Jesus, we got to rejoice in all things, knowing this, y'all, the best is yet to come. For the child of God, the best is yet to come. Heaven, the best is yet to come. It doesn't get any better than that. Let, let's land this airplane. Look at your conclusion there. Write this down. Number one, is your life controlled more by worry and sinful thoughts or the Word of God? 
It's a choice, y'all. Is your life controlled more by worry and sinful thoughts or by the word of God? How do you do that? Paul said, take every thought captive. When those fears start to creep in, I got to take that thought captive and I got to hold it up against the truth of God's word. Second question I have for you this morning. Do you light your world with the hope of the gospel? He says, our lives ought to be lights in the darkness. Do you light your world with the hope of the gospel? Because living in these uncertain times of disease and pandemic and difficulty, when you've got the joy of the Lord, when you've got that smile on your face behind your mask in the grocery store, and people see there's something different in you, they'll ask about that. How can you have joy in the midst of uncertain times? It's a perfect opportunity to let the good news of the gospel shine through you. Number three, write this down. Do you live with the reality that for the child of God, the best is yet to come? Do you live with that reality? we got to constantly remind ourselves, taking every thought captive, no matter how bad things get on this earth, the best is yet to come. When I see Jesus, it'll be worth it all. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, then he'll take me by the hand and he's going to lead me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that's going to be. The best is yet to come. But number four, write this down. For those who don't have a relationship with Christ, this isn't very good news. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you refuse to bow your knee on this earth, if you wait until you're forced to bow your knee in the presence of his holiness, the worst is yet to come. The worst is yet to come if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You just don't get buried and exist in the ground somewhere. You will be separated from God for all of eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell. I know people don't like to talk about that. These, your best life now preachers who want to tickle your ears. I'm telling you the Bible has more to say about hell than it does heaven. And I think it's a warning for us that the worst is yet to come. But God loves you too much to let you go there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, John 3, 16, you have to die and go to hell, but you can have everlasting, eternal life. And John 10, 10 says, and a life that is abundant, a life that rocks on this earth. So the final question I have for you is, are you certain? Do you know beyond any doubt? Are you as sure for heaven as if you've already been there 10,000 years? Listen, there's a lot going on I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but this one thing I do know, when my heart takes its final beat, I'm going to see the face of the one who died for me. Is it because I'm a preacher? Nope. Is it because I'm a nice guy? Nope. Is it because I try to be a good husband and a good daddy? Not at all. It's because Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe, suffered and bled and died on an old rugged cross. It should have been me. It should have been me on that cross. I'm the one who sinned. He never sinned. But he did that in my place. He was my substitute. He willingly gave up his life. They laid him in a borrowed tomb on that Good Friday. And on Easter Sunday morning, he resurrected himself by his own power. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, talks cheap. That's why the verse doesn't stop there, talks cheap. And believe in your heart that God really did raise him from the dead. You too can be saved. You too can have joy. You too can choose joy. Listen, you cannot choose joy until you choose Jesus. There's no real joy apart from Jesus. Remember, our happiness depends on our happenings, but joy depends on Jesus and Jesus alone. Pray with me if you will. Maybe you say, Mike, I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, but boy, I've just, I hadn't been living like it. I haven't been letting the light of the gospel shine through me. I've been a poor testimony. I've let stinking thinking creep into my brain and it affects my actions. I'm so glad that God allows U-turns. 
1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all, A-L-L, all unrighteousness. Doesn't matter what you've done. If you will turn to Jesus in repentance, he'll give you a brand new start. If you're a believer, but you haven't been living like it, ask him right now to forgive you. If you say, Mike, I don't have that joy. I try to muster it up. I try to fake it. I try to act like it, but I don't have the joy of the Lord. Listen, if you'll just do what the Bible says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you really believe he died on that cross in your place? You really believe that he never sinned? It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Tell that to the Father this morning. You really believe that when they laid him in that borrowed tomb, he didn't need a permanent tomb because three days later he came back out alive and well, and he's alive today. You really believe that? Express that to the Father. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe that they buried him and he rose again and he's alive today. Tell that to God right now if you've never been saved. You're unsure of your salvation. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you and commit your life to him. Whatever that looks like, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you lead, I'll go. I want to live for an audience of one. I'm going to live to please him. Ask God to save you and give you purpose in living for him today. Thank him for saving your soul. Maybe you just got a burden on your heart for somebody struggling with COVID-19, for a friend or a family member who's out of work and struggling. You just make this a time of prayer right there in your living room wherever you're watching this if you want to get down on your knees and let's just intercede for one another this morning ask god to do what only god can do ask god to do with this worldwide plague what he did with the children of israel so many times when he sent those plagues he waited for them to come back to him in repentance and revival let's just spend some time in prayer and asking god to do that this morning father would you hear our prayers this morning not not because we're worthy, but because the one that we serve is worthy. And you are worthy of our complete and total trust. You're worthy of our complete and total obedience. Help us to live lives of joy so that people will be pointed to you and they too can be set free. We pray all these things because we want to make your name glorious. We want to make your praise glorious because you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed a prayer like that with us. Maybe you just prayed to receive Jesus for the very first time. You say, well, I know I'm a church member or I've been baptized, but I didn't have peace in my heart. First John 5, 13 says you can know, you can know that you have eternal life. Perhaps you just prayed something like that with us. Hey, message us. We'd love to rejoice with the angels in heaven. We'd love to send you some literature to help you get started in your brand new journey. Or maybe you just have further questions about that. You've got questions about salvation. You can message us whether you're watching on Facebook. And by the way, anytime you watch on Facebook, if you'll share that, it multiplies the message of the gospel for your friends to watch that too. So always share that message if you will. If you've got questions, prayer requests, feel free to message us with those any way that we can help you about that. And you know, our pastoral staff set a goal of 120 new members in 2020 and here we are in our second month of quarantine if you live in the northeast georgia area and you know jesus as the lord and savior of your life and you're looking for a church to unite with and serve the lord in joy you just message us if you've got questions about becoming a member of our church we'd love to talk to you about that and you can be a part of that 120 and 2020 that we're trusting god to give us well next sunday is mother's day hope you'll tune in encourage your mama to tune in we're going to stay 
right here in our Choose Joy series through the book of Philippians. But ironically, as we go to our next message, we finish out chapter 2, we're going to learn how to grow godly relationships, how to grow godly relationships. And as I prepared that message, I couldn't help but see the parallels with the behavior of a mother towards her children. That's the way God loves us. So, hey, Wednesday night with Pastor Andrew, you can watch us online. Invite somebody to watch with you next Sunday morning. Never forget that your church, Airline Baptist, loves you, but Jesus, the one that died for you, the one that knows you the best, loves you the most, choose joy today, church. I'm going to do that myself. God bless you.